My wife and I made an excursion into Omaha today to get the rest of the groceries for the holiday festivities coming up. We have her family Christmas, depending on the storm of the century that's supposed to be heading this way. And I'll tell you what, we made it out of the Costco parking lot alive, but barely. We made our final stop kind of as a reward for all of our hard work in the grocery store and got ourselves a Chipotle burrito. It's a favorite in this family. As I'm getting back into the car, I'm taking the stack of napkins that I pulled out of the dispenser and I'm ready to throw them in the glove box when I notice there is a big fluff ball of napkins in the glove box. And at first, it doesn't compute. Like, why in the world has someone shredded all the napkins in our glove box? Until I notice a couple of little brown flecks of rice. Nope, those are mouse turds. Somehow, a mouse has taken up residence in our Toyota Highlander, which further adds to my belief that this vehicle is cursed. And that is a perfect transition into my guest today because uh, she is the glamour witch, Sophie St. Thomas, the weed witch, also the sex witch. She's written a ton of books. Uh, Yes, Chewy has read a couple of them. He's a big fan. Cats tend to like witches. So you will like uh, this episode as well. We dive deep into brand and discuss some of those topics that you sometimes probably have questions about and don't necessarily know who to ask or how to ask or feel awkward asking. Uh, We go into some depth at different points. So hopefully that is enjoyable for you. You can listen in without having to ask any uncomfortable questions. Hopefully I asked enough of them to make everybody feel right at home. Again, my guest is Sophie St. Thomas, author of the forthcoming Glamour Witch, which will be out January the 4th, if I am remembering correctly. You can pick up your copy. I will have info in the show notes. And at long last, please enjoy my conversation with Sophie St. Thomas. I'm the Reluctant Book Marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing. Yeah, fiction is beautiful. I would love to publish fiction one day. It's also, you know, just just research, just learning is so incredible. I have kind of a funny memory. I guess it's only funny because it worked out that I did start getting book deals about that. But I was living a double life for a while, as many mm-hmm. writers do, where I had a day job at MTV Networks at VH1. It was like a cool sounding job in production. Um, Because I wasn't, you know, it took me over a decade to make enough as a writer to just do writing. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I do other things than than books to live in New York. But at the time, I had a day job in TV production. And then I was writing for publications like Vice, etc., on the nights and weekends. And this was like 2010 to 2013 where even, you know, that's 
I guess, longer than I'd like to admit, but it seems like so much has changed because back yeah. then, you know, now we all kind of are, are very caution, caution with our writing. But back then mm. it was just like, go all out, like be yes. extreme. Like, yes. Write yeah. About everything. Yeah. And I wrote under a pen name, St. Thomas isn't my last name. I, I grew mm. up on the island of St. Thomas. And when I moved and finished high school in Virginia, my classmates started calling me Sophie St. Thomas because my oh, wow. real, last, real last name is difficult to pronounce. And there was okay. another Sophie in the class. And so I was working under my legal name at VH1 and my boss mm. pulls me into his office. And he's basically like, I see that you're writing about things like sex parties. And mm-hmm. he was like, I have to warn you, I have like a friend who um, wrote a blog about this culture and she ended up getting really involved in like the sex party and the kink and like the BDSM scene. And he basically mm-hmm. was warning me and telling me to stop or else I would oh, wow. like it. Um, oh, but wow. you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird thinking back on that. Like, you know, especially him being like a man, you know, with, older, oh, yeah, I was about to say, more, yeah. How times have changed me. a lot. Yeah. The times have changed a lot. And that's not even the point of my story, but it is interesting. But the thing is he was right. I mean, like I, I did go to sex parties and, and like them. Um, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I report on because because you go and at least my experience, I was like, oh wait, this isn't the scary, like harmful, terrifying mm-hmm. thing I've been to. At least the ones that I've reported on in New York City are mm-hmm. actually put you know emphasis on consent in a way that makes me look back at frat parties I went to in college, and I'm like, no, those were the dangerous parties. Yes, um, exactly. Not defined. Um, Nobody's in character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And at sex parties, I've primarily again, I don't always leave up. Li- I don't always live up to my readers idea of me i primarily have 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 gone with a partner you know and we've slept Mm -hmm. together within that sexual scene but i Mm -hmm. never would have gone to a sex party if i hadn't originally been assigned to write about it you know just go don't have sex you're just a professional you're just Mm -hmm. gonna observe but sometimes enough observing and research you're like hey (laughs) you know (laughs) i feel like i have to take this research to a different level (laughs) yeah like i could get into this like Yeah, that I think that it's it's a similar thing to what I was saying is that there's something about embodying this process that enables us to do things that maybe otherwise there's not the right context for. Um or Absolutely. Yeah. So, as far as that goes, I'm curious you you've mentioned to start with that you feel like maybe your brand isn't as specific as you want, but everything you say so far keeps telling me that you have this really specific brand. Do you feel like the opportunities that you've had and continue to have and the book that you're publishing, um, do you feel like they rise out of this comfort with the brand or working within it? Or where do you see your success coming from? Is it brand first? Um, It's a lot of things. You know, the thing about, you can relate to this, I I I didn't know before I became an author, you know, book publishing is, is, is a, is an industry, you know, it is, it is a business. I had these ideas in my head that I've seen happen, you know, to a few lucky people who just get away with it or have a connection where it's like you walk in and you write your dream book and it's a New York Mm -hmm. times bestseller. And that's the story. But for me getting in to books, I had to, 
work my way up really like I did in any industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I'm working on my sixth book. Um, I have a seventh in the background. You know, a few of those were IP projects, meaning the publisher reached out to me and is like, mm-hmm. hey, we want a book about cannabis and witchcraft. Like, we know yeah. you're right about and you do mm-hmm. this. And I'm like, hell yeah, I can do it. And, you know, this goes with my brand and I need the money and I want to develop a relationship <laughs> with you. Yeah. This is all true. So, like, of course I can write this book. Yeah. Um, and then my the book that I actually just announced on Monday, which is The Devil's Work, which is about um, mm-hmm. the construct of the devil and the history of witch hunts as it pertains to reproductive rights is... Mm-hmm. I would say of all the things I've written about, you know, I've been fighting for reproductive rights and abortion rights since I was on debate team in high school. And that book, I got to just be like, this is all me. This is a story I'm going to tell. I'm going to write this shit out of it. And with that one, I was fortunate enough that it was with the publisher that I had already proved myself to, you know, Mm -hmm. that I could deliver. And so not only did I get more editorial freedom, but I got a bigger advance and, you know, and and I still am just I still am just getting going, you know. There's still so much so much to be done. So, being a full time writer in New York City, I God, sometimes it's like this person just wants to give me money, so, so I'm going to make it work for my brand. Other times, yeah. it's more of that perfect scenario. But you, increasingly, I find myself feeling like um, a like a businesswoman, like a CEO of my own operation, which is nothing I which, ever. But that really is who you, you are though. It is who you oh, are. It, it is who I am. But you know, as like a Bernie Sanders voting, you know, <laughs> writer about sex and mm-hmm. drugs and witches, it, it's not necessarily how I, I view myself, but it is something I've had to yeah. learn and, and, and do. And I'm, I'm, grateful that I have because I don't think I'd be writing books if I didn't Mm. have to learn to to be a businesswoman what I appreciate so much about the things that you're saying is that I feel like my podcast especially the reluctant book marketer I mean you know what you're going to listen to this about you know that there's going to be a conversation about book marketing and if you've listened for any length of time you know that it's really mindset oriented Um, Because I can't prove that I can sell books yet. You know, I've got my first coming out here in January. Um, But one thing that I think is really difficult to juggle is that at heart, I want to create art. I want to create something that is separate from money or what anybody thinks of it or how many copies I sell. I want to express a vision of reality that I believe in. Um, Yeah. And yet you mentioned a bunch of times and it rings so true to me is taking projects for money, doing things that pay the bills. Um, and that is the other part of reality is that we live in a world where for me, I have three sons and a wife that I need to provide for. You have, right. You have the expenses that come with living in New York that are really expensive. I mean, I guarantee you spend more to live than I do. (laughs) uh, I also not to get into personal I couldn't have kids. I have like so many yeah. health issues too. Mm-hmm. I my Sure. I got Yeah, the, but that is an interesting debate that I've seen other writers grapple with it and I've have mm-hmm. seen other writers take a different approach where they're like no, I'm just going to make money for my day job and I'm not going to sacrifice yeah. any creative freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to write the books I want to write 
And I really respect that. But I also yeah. have learned that it is not me. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I want to make, I admit it. I want to make money off of books. I, I don't, yep. I wish I didn't feel evil for saying that, but it is true. I, I just don't feel like it is. I, I feel like the harder part though, and I agree with you. I want to make money from books. When I think about authors that I really admire, um, it, you know, Stephen King comes up in almost every episode of this podcast, yeah, Eric Horde. obsessed. I have read all of his, don't get me even fucking started. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. His, his worldview is actually really appealing, not to mention just the, the stories work on so many levels. And so, um, I don't know at this point that he would tell you he wants to make money, but you know, when you're talking about somebody who's getting close to a billion dollars over the the length of he, his career, he doesn't talk about. I, I still have the one one book of his I have not read is on writing. You know the memoir. Oh really? Oh writing. wow. Yeah. Okay. I've been like, I've read too many of his fictions to count, but mm. I've been putting that off because I'm like this scared it's going to call me out on all my. <laughs> fiction desires and you know no way. yeah no um, way but in but he talks i have heard him talk about he doesn't necessar- necessarily say writing for money although that is interconnected but writing for your audience you know yes. g- the difference between writing for yourself like what how do I, how does this work in my head and then you know mm-hmm. conversations that i have had with like my agent about, you know, fictional characters I'm developing versus how does the audience want this to end? And even more kind of unfun questions for writers to ask themselves, like, is this what's selling right now? You know, or is this oversaturated market? Do I, Mm -hmm. what do I need to change? Do I need to change the point of view? Do I need Mm -hmm. to change like the time it takes place in? Do I need to market this more for adults instead of, teens there's so many you know business questions that authors find themselves faced with and it's yeah that happened to me the other day with a fiction project i realized i was like oh i could keep working on this fiction project that i'm getting amazing feedback on Mm -hmm. as why it's not the best thing to sell right now um you know i could keep writing it and just sell it on my own or i could take this feedback from my agent and and change it so Mm. I have something that my agency can really get behind and sell. And um, I ended up, I'm, I'm going to do the latter, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that's the right choice for everyone. I, I can just tell you what, what I decided yeah. to do. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I, I would, I would be hard pressed to tell you that there's right or wrong. Um, oh, there's own- not. I yeah, mean, there's there's some. Se- I do think there's some happen. sense of right, but I think more often than not, the right that there is is the right that we do to ourselves. So there's a yeah. right because it's what matters to us. There's a point in every project where you say, "This is at the core of why I created it," and if you're asking me to change it, then let's just do something else. Because, <laughs> excuse me, this project is is me, and I, if I change that, it's no longer me. Um, and that's probably where right or wrong would would reside for me. That's, that's a very fair line. And that's what I make sure I always do. I do wish writers and maybe this is because, um, you know, I live in New York City, um, where thing I, I do find here, I, I hear a lot of guilt from my friends about making money. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know, you know, and it's like, we can question 
capitalism and how mm-hmm. shitty our country's economics are right now. Yeah. But still believe we deserve to be paid well for our mm. efforts. You know, we can still value books as an exquisite commodity. You know, yes. I I think I very much am in favor of um you could of you can still you can be critical of the economy. I just hear so many writers being like, oh, I don't need money because I just want to save the world. And and I'm like, but if you succeed, more people will read it and yes. your voice will be out there and, and you'll be happier. And yeah. it's it's a tr- like fight for yourself because no one else is going to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want I want everybody listening to to just go ahead and go back a minute. I, I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately with my guests, but there's been a lot of gold lately. That is such a beautiful point. I I'm I'm not here to critique the capitalist system, but I am here to say that if we do what we do to the best of our ability, the more people who encounter our message, the better that the world is going to skew toward the way that we believe it needs to go. And a there's nothing wrong with believing that you see the world correctly. So, I mean, if enough of us are are really diligent about expressing our viewpoint fairly, uh, respectfully, kindly, then even if you and I disagree on some perspectives, uh, by putting those things out there in that way, we give a platform to everybody to live respectfully. So I, I want my books to sell a lot. And that is a big reason why I'm pretty comfortable aiming to sell a million copies of a book. I want that. Yeah, you should. And I mean, different opinions. I I love I love a good debate personally. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. So, with that in mind, you are niched enough with a book like, uh, or or you know, like the Sex Witch or something like that. That I'm guessing you do get some hate from people who are on the opposite side of the spectrum. How do you deal with that? If it's someone I don't know, I don't care. I actually <laughs> kind of have a soft spot for my haters and my trolls because yeah. they're just giving me page views. Like every, <laughs> every you know, I like the little devil in me every now and then is like, oh God, I don't care what side of the political spectrum it is. Maybe I'll piss someone off someone off enough to like sell some books this time. I don't know, but um, mm. <laughs> um, it's difficult when it's personal. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I, I was not raised in any religion. I was raised in the Caribbean by like hippies who kind of let me do whatever I want. And I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have, I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. I, think as a result it has let me without shame or question talk talk about things like sex that um i forget sometimes are so controversial yeah i have had situations um that i've written about i i don't always like talking about publicly so much just because it's like family but things like for instance my partner comes from a conservative family Mm -hmm. and it hurts when i get shit from like his relatives because of my subject matter when I'm like I just wish you would get to know me and see that I'm a good person who really loves your son I know that you're seeing the word sex I know that you're seeing the word Mm -hmm. Satan and witch but 
like it's i promise you like it's not what you think it is like yeah um, like it's not so it <laughs> it it's hurt it's hurt when it's personal and kind of caused problems in my personal life but mm. i i guess a benefit of like having been a writer on the internet for outlets like vice since 2010 is that at mm-hmm. some point i really did stop reading the comments um like if that makes sense yeah of course yeah i um i i don't i don't have the level of influence that you do at this point so i don't see quite as many comments and i still sometimes i like to dive into them but almost for the same reason that you were talking about is if i can catch somebody who's angry about something that i i'm doing it's almost to me honestly at this point in my career and what i'm trying to do if someone hates what i'm saying i feel like finally i've said it clearly enough that it's upsetting people you know i'm not holding back like i i said i like hope my abortion book causes some trouble to be honest with you it's kind of supposed to you know i mean the they're the people against abortions are causing trouble for me. So I'm a writer. This is my way to fight back, I guess. (laughs) It's an amazing thing to, to have a voice. So this is not exactly a marketing conversation right here, but then the, the question I think that arises from where we've taken it is if you go so far that you entrench people, is there, is there a way that, that our work is a bridge and not uh, a Canyon? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I I see that like every single day in my life or every time, you know, um, I, I, I know people, I have a very diverse set of friends and acquaintances and family members when it comes to the political spectrum or, you know, what I gauge as someone's level of comfortability talking about things like sex or abortions but like whenever i'm at a party and like someone you know gets a little bit tipsy that very conservative person is like the first one coming up to me like telling me about questions yeah you know yeah asking me about squirting or anal sex or open relationships i'm serious serious you know yeah and so i i do i and i love that you know i i I love Mm -hmm. that I would love, I would love to be abridged because I, God, th- things are, are pretty adversarial right now mm-hmm. out there. So a, a bridge would be a goal, a goal of mine. <laughs> yeah, mine too. I don't, I don't know exactly how to do it. So how does this all fit into marketing? I, I actually, I think that it does. I think that it fits in um, to the way that we reach out to the world, to the way that we sell our books. Um to who we are as people, to our audience, how do you, how do you build trust amongst taboo topics and things that maybe make us look less professional? Um, become fed up enough not to give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what happened to me. Uh, you know, like when I, when I first started using medical cannabis, honestly, I was really scared about talking about it because I was scared people would be like, you've written about having problems with alcohol. Like, shouldn't you be sober, sober? Uh, yeah, right. And um, that's just one example. But I just had to stop giving a shit. Hmm. And when it comes to that topic, I it worked out well for me because I got to be a drug journalist 
in like the past decade, which is an age of, you know, of psychedelic renaissance, where now the EA mm-hmm. is looking to clear MDMA to treat vets by, Amazing. Mm-hmm. you know, next year. And psilocybin right. is decriminalized in multiple cities. Like there's cannabis shops everywhere. Um, I think the thing that I go to over and over when it comes to, to sex and, and, and cannabis or, or drugs in particular, at least for those taboo topics is, is science. Mm-hmm. There's not enough science because of the drug laws, but there is really, really good research backing um, the effect is how, how well things like MDMA or psilocybin yeah. um, can help with, with, with different medical conditions, everything from migraines to, to depression to mm-hmm. um, PTSD. And, you know, science is always great, but I, I do think there's just a level of not giving a fuck. So you're going to piss someone off. You know, you're going to piss whether it's like a leftist or whether it's someone conservative or whether it's like a libertarian, just someone you can't, you can't write something that everyone's going to like. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a, I think that's a challenge. Um, But it's also okay. You know, like you said, if people like, I, I I hope that people debate my books. I would love to see some Twitter fights about my books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you, if again, I mean, that, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I know that I'm doing my job correctly when I start to make people angry. I don't want to make everyone angry and I don't want to be sensational just for hits, but, uh, I know when some people are getting angry and I've spoken my mind to the best of my ability that I'm doing my job the way that my job needs to be done. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. It's okay to upset some people. And I like, I like that kind of where this conversation has led in terms of speaking your truth is probably the biggest part of your brand. And it took us 43 minutes to get to the point where mm-hmm. you, you doubled back and said, part of your brand is not giving a shit. It's like, okay, I know who I am and what matters to me. And I'm firm enough in my truth that I don't have to question that. And I can just present that to the world. And that's part of your brand too. I think that's where the love comes from. Well, you have to, you really do have to stand up for yourself, um, which can be a hard lesson to learn. It was hard for me to learn, but people react to how you act. If you act strong and confident in something as opposed to, you know, nervous and unsure, you know, and like apologetic looking to please everyone, people can pick up on that. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously helpful to have a great, a great family, whether that's, you know, kids and a a wife or a loving partner and and friends, it's, Mm -hmm. it's good to have people that aren't your, your readers, your audience to, to come home to and, and to have your back and to love you for whoever you are. Support from loved ones is so important where you can get it. Uh, I'm really glad you have that. Hey, I'm looking at the time and realizing uh, you've got somewhere you need to be. So do tell uh, everybody where they can find your forthcoming book um, and how they can connect with you if they want to know more. I have a lot of books coming out. I, I am quite prolific. I have Glamour Witch coming out on the 1st of the new year, January 1st, 2023. That is about beauty and fashion and body modifications. It was inspired by 
learning about times when lipstick was considered a form of a witchcraft tool and just Mm. the construct of the witch is so fascinating to me. You know, you could get in trouble for using it to like lure in a husband, but I'm reading this thinking, well, they're not totally wrong. This is, this is interesting. (laughs) Let me investigate like how we can use, how we really do use glamour to get what we want, but how Mm -hmm. once upon a time, this was considered something, you know, supernatural and glamour, which is also just, if, if you have any interest in, in fashion or makeup or, or beauty, especially from a queer perspective, I, I'm so proud of that book and all that I researched mm. in. And then I have Weed Witch, which is out April 4th of 23 leading up to 420. That is your go-to Bible for all things cannabis um, and spirituality. And then uh, in 2014, excuse me, 2024 leading up to the election, the devil's work which is a history of the of abortion and reproductive rights in addition to witch hunts and the construct of the devil is out. And please keep up with me on social media. My handle is at the Bowie cat, Bowie as in David, cat as in the creature. And that's the best way to keep up with me. Um, I have a lot going on. I just hired a social yeah. media manager. Can't wait to start to start using her to help me organize all of this. Ah, awesome. Well, I look forward to to talking again about that process because social media management is probably one of the key things that we can do to kick us to the next level. So Seriously. I'm personally really excited to read your your forthcoming books, all of them. Um, and I I'm so glad I just accidentally bumped into you along my journey because this has been Seriously. a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet.